Hey folks, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Ryan Kennedy. And on today's episode, we are going to be diving deep into some strategies to optimize testosterone and also some of the big factors that reduce our testosterone levels. So th this episode is certainly going to be catered to all the male listeners out there. But ladies, some of this information will also pertain to your health and be helpful for sharing along to any men in your life. And this is a huge topic I go over with a lot of the guys I work with since Testosterone plays such a huge role in our quality of life. Many people associate it with muscle building and, and body composition, but in reality, it's absolutely essential for our daily energy, our drive, our motivation, our focus, our libido, our mood, and all these different things that really dictate how we feel every day. And so my guest today is Dr. Tracy Gappin, a physician, entrepreneur, and leading expert in male performance optimization. Dr. Gappin is board certified in neurology, and he founded Smart Men's Health, really focused on optimizing male performance. So I'm really looking forward to diving in with you today. Thanks for being on the show, Dr. Gappin. Oh, thanks so much. Glad to be here with you, Ryan. So how'd you get into this field specifically? What, you know, what was some of your journey getting to this point? Yeah, so I am, a, as you mentioned, uh, thanks for the kind intro. I am a, a board certified urologist by training, by background. I uh, spent 20 plus years in urology focused on uh, mostly men's health, did a lot of prostate cancer, you know, large prostate work, uh, did, did other open surgery, did a lot of robotic surgery as well, um, a lot of prostate cancer diagnostics. Um, but throughout my career, as I'm running between the office and the, and the surgery center and the hospital, um, I hit a wall where this is now about 10 years ago where um, I had fairly significant health issues. Um, I was about 30 pounds overweight at the time and uh, couldn't sleep, couldn't focus, felt like crap. And when I went to a local doctor here, a concierge doctor, a friend of mine, actually, he wasn't able to really help me other than, yeah, you, doc, you need to lose some weight and eat some more vegetables and, and exercise. And if, if, you, if, you, if that doesn't get any better, then we made him put you on a statin. And that, that was like all he had. That was literally all he had for me was you need to lose weight, eat some exercise, uh, eat some vegetables and exercise. And so I, I came away from that visit really confused and it opened my eyes to the fact that we have a lot to learn and a lot, a lot to improve upon in our traditional approach to, to, to healthcare. And this is why the disease model is broken. This is why we're failing. This is why healthcare expenditures are skyrocketing, but yet our, our health is deteriorating with obesity and metabolic syndrome. And as you mentioned uh, at your onset there, uh, testosterone levels are plummeting worldwide. Yep. We're seeing levels, uh, free testosterone drop by as low as, as much as 45% lower than it was 20 years ago. 45%. That's crazy. And so back to my story, I, I realized that we need to really shift our perspective and it became a passion for me, for myself, for allowing me to be the husband, the father, the leader that I need to be, but also for the patients who really entrust me with their care. And so I went down many rabbit holes. <laughs> I learned about epigenetics, uh, which is the, you know, the science of how lifestyle can affect our, our, our genetic expression learn about peptide therapy, learn about hormone optimization. And, uh, and, you know, it's interesting, hormones, you think that medical doctors know all there is to know about that. I was not taught one single day about hormones in six years of general surgery and urology residency training, not one day. Wow. And so it, it made me realize that there's so much that we need to know to be able to really uh, take care of these men. So learn about hormones, learn about 
uh, functional medicine, learned about uh, how to integrate wearable technology. Um, I created a comprehensive program that incorporated lifestyle medicine and coaching. And I, I transformed my own health, Ryan, and I was able to really transform the lives of the men I was working with. And um, it exploded from there. And, and next thing you know, I, I've launched the Gap Institute for High Performance Health. And here I am, you know, what, four years later, and we're, we're blowing up because we found a real need. And, and uh, you know, people are starting to finally recognize that the disease model of medicine just doesn't work. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. We definitely see eye to eye on our philosophy there. Now, as far as initial steps, let's say someone comes in to see you in your practice or just in terms of entering your program. Yeah. And do you always recommend people start with testing? Just getting a, date, a lot of good data points, seeing whether testosterone, the free testosterone, their estradiol, their sex hormone binding globin, looking yeah. at like a full, full hormone panel. Is that so where you start? Great question. Actually, don't I don't jump to that quite yet. The first thing I actually do is actually spend quite a bit of time talking the, with the patient and uh, we dive deep into a health assessment that I've created to really help me understand where are they now and what's holding them back from where they want to be. And so along those lines, I, I spend a lot of time focused on what is your sleep? You know, when's the last time your doctor asked you about your sleep? Never, you know, talk to them about how they eat. What do they eat? When do they eat? Yep. Talk to them about how they move, talk to them about stress. And, and people tend to tell me, you know, the high performers I work with, yeah, I'm not stressed. I'm fine. I'm good doc. Don't worry about that. I got all under control. I call BS because we're all stressed. We're stressed by poor sleep and alcohol and toxins and crummy foods and poor gut health and lack of movement, et cetera. And so it's assessing the level of stress. It's, it's looking at all these areas of lifestyle that are so important that no one's ever touched on before. And, and lifestyle behaviors, you know, how much are you drinking? Guys like, yeah, I just drink a little bit. Well, what does that mean? I have like, you know, three or four beers a night. That's not a little bit. (laughs) And so then once you do that, it's amazing how spending the time just to talk to my patients and really understand them. I can almost predict what the labs are going to look like before I even draw them. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's really the start. But then, like you said, yeah, testing is definitely important. And I, I really individualize the testing. So what I mean by that is, is almost every man needs hormones checked, testosterone levels, thyroid, DHEA, cortisol, uh, vitamin D, uh, it, you know, looking at markers of inflammation, looking at metabolic health, which is such a big problem, which is how our bodies handle uh, uh, blood sugar or carbohydrates, mm-hmm. looking at, at uh, uh, advanced lipid fractionation, looking at all these complex lab tests to really dive deep to understand what's going on. Because you know as well as I do that rarely is the testosterone deficiency ever the only problem. It's always part of a much bigger issue, much bigger picture. And so depending on the individual, I do a lot of microbiome testing, a lot of food sensitivity testing. I do organic acids, which is a great way to really look at um, how our body is metabolizing foods and and deficiencies in in mitochondrial function and and energy production. Um, And it's putting all those things together. You know, testosterone is the low-hanging fruit that everyone everyone gets tempted to, to focus on, but there's so much more we got to address as well. Yeah, like you said, it's all interrelated, and I see the same thing. I love running organic acids tests and all these additional testing that you get all sorts of good data you don't really gather through blood work. As, as amazing as blood yeah. work can be, there's so many other confounding variables that you can That's really right. identify and balances that are oftentimes either contributing or maybe the driving cause of why someone's feeling the way they are. Uh, so I, I really like your approach there. So what what are some of the most common um, 
reasons you see uh, as far as environmental toxins when it comes to testosterone levels? Because you mentioned poor sleep, you mentioned stress, you mentioned poor diet, lack of movement. All those are things people commonly think about. You know, we know obesity, we know uh, not sleeping enough. We know these things really drive down our quality of life, our longevity, our hormone levels. But one of the things that, that I really find fascinating with your work is you're really focused on the toxicity element. Like where are these things coming in? What are the common culprits? What are some of the main things people need to look out for when it comes to avoiding certain things in our environment? Yeah, I love that you're diving deep into this one area because it gets no attention. Uh, What you're talking about are are, uh, called endocrine disruptors. And for the listener, an endocrine disruptor is any toxicant, chemical, toxin, anything that is affecting endocrine function. And that could be by decreasing hormone production. It could be affecting the way the hormone uh, responds to the receptor or the way the cell responds to the receptor activation, really anywhere in that whole pathway. And so what we know, again, is that uh, worldwide, we have a dramatic decline in testosterone levels. Interestingly, those three large longitudinal studies that showed that finding corrected for obesity and still show the same thing. So we know it's not just obesity. It's not just nutrition, not just crummy diet that's, that's causing this. And so you're right. We have tons of data that shows things like atrazine, things like uh, er, the, an herbicide that is spraying our crops. You don't even think about this, but most of the food we eat, those crops are sprayed with pesticides, herbicides, and studies have shown atrazine can actually, this, this is kind of scary, can turn male frogs into female frogs that actually can lay eggs and reproduce scary at microscopic levels. And what we find in our drinking water is exponentially higher levels of atrazine than that. And so it's in our food. We can look at plastics, you know, BPA, bisphenol A is is, uh, very commonly um, associated with low testosterone. Um, We have an amazing study out of France that looked at uh, Leydig cells, which are the cells that produce testosterone. In the, in the testicle. And they took um, stillborn fetuses and they took this Leydig cell um, and uh, Leydig cells and they bathed them in various concentrations of BPA. They showed a dramatic decline in testosterone production within one hour. Fascinating. Wow. And so we know that, that plastic BPA is used to make plastic water bottles, plastic food containers. Um, phthalates are used to make these plastics as well. Phthalates, another chemical that's been shown to crush testosterone. Uh, we know that uh, phthalates are used to make plastics bendy, flexible, like plastic water bottles. Uh, uh, phthalates are used in your car, any kind of vinyl material, any kind of plastics. Unfortunately, IV tubing and baby bottles are made with phthalates. Um, that crushes testosterone. We know that um, there's been a clear association with soy intake and low testosterone. And all the the soy lovers out there get all fired up when I say this, but the problem is is that most of the soy we have here is adulterated, it's been refined, it's not the typical uh, clean soy that you might get in in, uh, Far East Asia. Uh, Clear association with with, uh, soy and low testosterone. Um, You know, you look at things like milk. You know, I, I, I like to describe this picture. Think about this, you're drinking milk. That milk came in a carton that's lined in plastic that milk came from a cow that was injected with steroids and hormones. That cow is eating a crop that's been sprayed with pesticides, herbicides. It's like layer upon layer of endocrine disruption. And so it's, it's understanding things like that. It's understanding that all the personal care products like laundry detergent, sunscreen, soaps, deodorant, shampoo, anything with a scent, if it's not an essential oil, that scent is typically made of phthalates. Mm-hmm. 
And so it, it's, it's about number one, identifying where these toxins are and doing everything we can to avoid it. And then improving our detoxification pathways to help really fight it. So that's absolutely key because it's hard to avoid all of it. And as much as I am adamant with my own lifestyle and the people I work with of, Hey, cut out the plastic containers, use glass, bring in a water filtration system, buy organic food, implement these changes to your personal care and household cleaning products, you know, with swapping out conventional stuff for, for natural alternatives. And all that stuff is great, but we do live on a planet where it's impossible to avoid everything. And so bringing in the detoxification element, I know for me, a big part of that is using the sauna on a regular basis. I'm really big on that exercise in general, just getting some sweat going, some movement of the lymphatic system is immensely important. But I'm curious to hear from you, your perspective, what, what are some of your top strategies when it comes to helping those yeah. detox pathways? Sure. Yeah, great point. So one of them is water. You know, I, I emphatically um, insist that my patients don't ever drink water from a plastic water bottle. So I, I carry, you know, stainless steel water bottle wherever I go. And there are, you know, many different brands out there. Um, I filter my water. So I use a, this is a really important detail here is you want a carbon block filter for your water reverse osmosis actually does not get all the toxins out that we're talking about here it's helpful but but you really want a, a carbon block filter um what i did is i actually had one installed in my home we just built a home last year and we had it installed so that the ice maker and the the faucet uh, in the kitchen for our drinking water is filtered so i think that's a really important step i think being aware of of uh, as you mentioned plastic food containers and so um, I recommend Pyrex or glass or something other than uh, plastic, especially if it's warm. You definitely don't want to ever heat up plastic in the microwave or in the oven uh, because that these plastics are leaching into our food and water. Um, a hidden one that not a lot of people think about is your coffee. Um, I'm a coffee addict, um, but it's important to recognize that K-cups are made of what? Yeah, plastic. plastic. Yeah. yeah, they do make compostable ones, so you can get those, which are a lot better. Uh, but but most of uh, the K cups out there are, are are made of phthalates, plastic, and um, and again, whenever uh, something hot touches plastic, uh, it's going to leach out into the food and water you're drinking. Studies have shown that that we have detectable levels of over forty different chemicals and toxins in our bodies, and so um, it's making these types of changes that are really critical. Um, when it comes to personal care products, laundry detergent, et cetera, there are a couple of great apps that you can use on your phone. They're free. One of them is made by the Environmental Working Group called Healthy Living. It's a green app on the on, on the Apple Store. Um, there's another one called Yucca, Y-U-K-A. It looks like a carrot on the little symbol. And then there's a third one as well. I can't think of it at the moment. But what these apps do is they allow you to go to the grocery store or the, the drugstore, wherever you're going, and scan barcodes and actually tell you what's in the ingredients you're buying. And you go scan a box of Tide or Dove soap and you'll be like, holy shit, what am I putting on my body? Because yeah. they're getting absorbed through your skin continually. And so by doing that, you're able to, to identify these uh, chemicals, these toxins, do everything you can to find good, clean products uh, and avoid them. Yeah. Yeah. Same, I, I especially am adamant about this with personal care products, things you're putting on your yeah. skin, which people yeah. recognize gets absorbed into the bloodstream. And so these deodorants and That's these right. perfumes and these sunscreens that are just wrecking havoc on your hormones and your yeah. long-term health for that matter. Like we're talking about hormones, Dr. Gappin, but all these things, many of the, these chemicals are known to be carcinogenic. They're known to be neurotoxic. They're known to cause all sorts of this disbalance and issues in the human body. So it's important right. even for just longevity purposes to really 
clean up your environment and, and min minimize your exposure to these things. To, to switch gears back to testosterone, because I'm really curious, are there any specific herbs or supplements you found helpful for increasing testosterone or do you more so focus on TRT? Yeah, great question. So I get this question all, almost daily is, you know, are there natural things that I can do to help improve testosterone? And what I do is focus on, you know, what is the reason why your testosterone level is low? Because it's not simply a matter of take this pill and I'm going to fix it. And so sure. a lot of times it's, um, you know, it's the stress, it's the um, insulin resistance, it's the chronic inflammation, the oxidative stress, all these underlying physiologic damages that are occurring. Um, it's correcting those that I focus on. And a lot of times when you do that, testosterone levels will improve. So um, to answer your question, it really depends on, on what are the underlying issues that I think might be at play. Now, that being said, let's say a guy has a, a, a total testosterone of 250. And we can talk about the range in a moment, um, but it's low. But the free, which is way more valuable, important is 2025, which is, I see this every day, super, super low. Am I going to be able to get him with a free testosterone of 25 up to where I want that free to be, which is about 200 with natural approaches, with strength training and improving your sleep and improving your stress and supporting micronutrients and cleaning out the toxins? You know, am I going to get that much of a change? Realistically, we don't see that. We, we just don't see it. We'll get you maybe, maybe I can get that 25 up to 70, 80 which is in the, this, this range that I, I definitely want to point out. Um, but is that where you want to be? Definitely not. And, and so I think that it supports, I think we need to address all those underlying factors, but to answer your question, short answer is I don't have one magic herb, magic supplement that I say, take this and it's going to get better. Um, for example. Yeah. Um, now I, I can say things like stinging nettle root is a great, um, herb that is helpful for, um, it has been shown in some cases to lower, sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG, and, yeah. and uh, that's valuable for the listener. SHBG binds to testosterone and makes it unavailable. And so the free testosterone is the testosterone that's simply not bound to proteins like SHBG. And so the common question is, how do I lower my SHBG to have a higher percent free? And, and stinging nettle has been shown to have some effect. It's not dramatic. Um, SARMs can have a dramatic effect on, um, on SHBG, but we don't know if that's necessarily... Uh, good or bad when you bring your SHBG down to zero. So that's, sure. that's a whole other story. Yeah. Sure. And that's yeah. one of the biggest issues I see with a lot of the guys I work with that I do testing with their total testosterone might be, you know, five, six, 700, not in a dire range, but because they have this high sexual and body globulin, their free testosterone is very low. And so I've utilized singing that root myself and seen mixed results. Some people respond really well to it and get that free testosterone improved. Others don't. Are there any other strategies you've seen work in that scenario? Like with, with low free and fine total testosterone, would you still in some cases prescribe testosterone therapy? Yeah, great question. Um, it, the answer is unfortunately no. Um, there, there's very little that uh, you can do to improve SHBG if you're happy with your total. But I think this is worth mentioning this range issue. So you look at your lab slip and you'll see this range that says, you know, 250 to 800, let's just say, or, you know, now it's like 180 to, to 780 or some it's, it's stupid. This yeah. big range. I want to really emphasize that that range, if you look at the top of that, it says reference range. 
It does not say normal range, does not say ideal range, optimal range, what's good for you. What it says is, is reference range. And so what does that mean? This is a really important distinction here. Reference range is a statistical average of the population. It's simply, they look at all the thousands, millions of lab tests that, that Quest and LabCorp does, and what's the average? And that average is a bell curve. The average right in the middle of the bell curve and two standard deviations on either side of that gives you your reference range. <laughs> and so think back to what I mentioned in the beginning, three massive studies worldwide, one here in the US, male Massachusetts aging study, one longitudinal study in Sweden and Finland. All three studies were longitudinal over 20 years, and they all showed a 45% decline in free testosterone, give or take. So therefore, the average of the population is 45% lower than it was 20 years ago. So that means your reference range is 45% lower than it was 20 years ago. So do you think that the reference range is ideal, normal, optimal, what it should be? No, it's a freaking average. Yeah. And so I see this every day where a guy comes in with 500 and I'll wholeheartedly argue that that sucks <laughs> because that free, that, that 500, typically that would equate to a free of around 50, let's just say, give or take some in that kind of ballpark range, 60, maybe that free ideally optimally is somewhere in the ballpark range of 200 to 250, depending on the man. That's above that freaking reference range where guys freak out. My, you know, I don't want my T that high. Well, you, you just don't want to be average. <laughs> so sure. it's really a key distinction that, that gets lost when you look at these lab slips that that's a reference range. Yeah. 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 That's important to highlight with the reference range is that it is average levels. And the average person is not very healthy. The average person is not a high performer, not feeling great and right. suffering from all sorts of chronic conditions. So it's, it's really important to identify that in, when you're looking at some of these lab results of what's ideal versus what's normal right. or what's average. Um, and then uh, just to kind of recap on the, on the supplement question, because I have found through my work, just bringing in specific nutrients that people might be low in can really help move the needle with testosterone and high quality targeted supplementation with vitamin D, magnesium, boron, zinc, selenium, some of these things that are hard to get enough of through your diet alone. Um, yeah. And then with the stress component, I don't know if you've seen this to be the case for you, but I know for me, uh, with people I've worked with, I've seen adaptogenic herbs, uh, things like, you know, maca and tribulus and ashwagandha and epimedium yeah. and red ginseng really help to improve testosterone, I think, by way of really reducing some of the stress load in them. Because sometimes yeah. there's a lot of stress in our lives we can't really control. You know, when you're yeah. stressed about your work, your kids, like, what are you going to do? Quit your job? And just, you know, just leave your family. Like you have certain obligations that create stress in our lives that sometimes are hard to mitigate or hard to avoid entirely. And so I found those to be effective strategies in addition to lifestyle stuff like exercise and making sure you have a good mindfulness practice, whether that be meditation or journaling or some sort of way to help process some of the stress and help have healthy outlets, you know, breath work techniques, things of that nature. I don't know if you found the same with some of the adaptogens, um, you know, utilizing those via supplementation. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought all that up. I, I think it, it again goes back to really understanding uh, what's going on with the guy. So I love doing cortisol testing. One of the first uh, tests that I'll look at is, is understanding cortisol patterns and guys who have issues with cortisol, focusing on adrenal support on the adaptogens, focusing on, on, you know, that cortisol DHEA ratio is very important. 
Um, it, it's really identifying what's really um, appropriate for the guy. You know, B vitamins, you know, B vitamin support, like you said, zinc, magnesium is definitely big. Um, I think boron's, uh, I, I don't know, but I think the, the jury's still out in my mind on boron. Um, but yeah, I think it's identifying what's the underlying problem that's causing that so that you can help support that for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And I always stress the importance of sensible sun exposure. I think the near infrared light from the sun is just such a key component to unlocking the testosterone levels and, and also just over our overall health and vitality. You know, we're solar powered animals. So having that sensible sun exposure where you're not getting sunburns, you're not staying out for four or five hours, but you're getting out there and soaking up that sun is just transformative for our hormone balance in addition to tons of other benefits. Uh, so I like, always like to highlight that as well. Now, when it comes to the testosterone therapy, one question I get a lot, and I want to hear your perspective on this, Dr. Gappin. Once someone begins that type of therapy, let's say it's an injection or oral or cream, whatever administration, which I'm curious to hear your thoughts or your favorite on that. Um, is it a lifelong commitment? Is it something that you have guys do for a period of time and then cycle off? Or is it basically committing to like taking testosterone long term? Yeah, great question. So when you get testosterone therapy, and it can be done either uh, as an injectable as a topical or as pellets. Those are really the three generally accepted routes of testosterone administration. When you give testosterone by other route, there's a half-life. And so the testosterone will last for a certain time. And as a half-life uh, passes, uh, it'll gradually decay and go away and get metabolized, if you will. So topical, for example, if uh, I have a guy use a uh, squirtle testosterone cream this morning, by tomorrow morning, 24 hours later, it's all gone. It's completely out of your system. It's gone. And so um, he would need to dose that accordingly. So therefore, he's using that every morning. The injectable has a much longer half-life. So you can go, some people used to do it every other week, every third week, which is not physiologically ideal. You really want it maybe every other day, for example, maybe twice a week. Once a week, I think it's probably not often enough uh, to get a good, healthy, uh, steady state. But the key is when you stop it, your levels go right back to where they were before you ever took it in the first place and probably a little lower as a rebound um, um, for a while till your body acclimates again. And so I get that question a lot. Guys say, well, um, if I start, am I going to be on it forever? And I say, no, you're definitely not going to be on it forever. You can stop whenever you want to feel like shit again. Just stop it. You'll be right back where you were. It's fine. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I say that jokingly, of course, but sure. Almost every guy who, who ends up uh, starting testosterone therapy, they feel amazing. Energy, focus, um, you know, vitality, sex drive, muscle, burning fat. They feel alive again to where there's no way you're going to stop that tea on them. <laughs> yeah. And what, what side effects or downsides, if any, have you seen if when dosed appropriately? That was a great, great key point right there when dosed appropriately i rarely ever see any side effects at all mm -hmm. yeah um you know we used to track uh hemoglobin levels now we actually recognize that it's probably not even even necessary to track hemoglobin levels um it can get in some men it can get metabolized to estrogen which could have some downsides um typically those are the guys who are obese and so uh, i focus on weight loss fat loss specifically to help reduce that aromatization um, and do you use aromatase inhibitors like DIM or anastrazole? Def definitely no. I definitely do. Now, now DIM is different. DIM, DIM helps with, um, with how you're metabolizing testosterone, uh, which is, which is uh, 
more what you know whether uh you look at dutch testing to look at whether you have two hydroxy four hydroxy 16 hydroxy uh estradiol or estrone metabolism mm -hmm. um the arimidex will block the actual conversion of testosterone to estrogen and we definitely do not want to do that and i'll tell you why that was for many years, when I was in my urology days, I'm now a recovering urologist, I like to joke. Um, but when I was a urologist, they, they used to tell us, give everybody Arimidex because estrogen is the enemy. Estrogen is too, we don't want too high. We'll keep it down, keep it low. Yeah. But in fact, estrogen is actually cardioprotective. Estrogen actually has been shown to reduce cardiovascular disease. That's why we give it to women who are postmenopausal because it reduces cardiovascular risk. We know that estrogen is helpful for energy and for sex drive as well. Mm -hmm. I've seen guys who come in to see me and someone else gave them a remedix and their estrogen is like three and they feel like shit and they have no sex drive. They have ED and a lot of it's because their estrogen is actually too low. So the, the concept there is you have estradiol levels and you have testosterone levels. Guys who come in who have hypogonadism, low T and they they're obese, they have high, uh, uh, visceral fat content, they'll have estradiol levels way up here and testosterone down here. That's the problem. What you want is you want testosterone up here and estrogen relatively balanced. And so to that end, I almost never give a Remedex. I say almost because there's never, you know, never, never, um, depending on the situation, but you don't want to block estrogen. Estrogen is not the enemy. You just want to make sure it's balanced properly with testosterone levels. And so if you do administer testosterone and it is getting converted and the estrogen is getting too high, what do you do as, a, as far as an intervention there? So the, the question there is, are you treating the number or are you treating the patient? And so what I do is I actually talk to the patient and his estrogen levels may be 80, 60, 80. Joe, how are you feeling? I feel amazing. How's your sex? Oh my God, it's incredible. You, how's your weight loss? Go, oh my God, I'm burning, sh shedding fat. I'm crushing at the gym. I feel amazing. My mind is focused. That's, per that's great. What do you want? That's, yeah. that's wonderful. So the, the key is, is that we get, we get scared by these numbers when, when, and, and I've learned this over the years and I went through great hormone training through Neil Ruzzi at world link. I learned a lot of this from him. He's, he's a genius. There's never been a study that's ever shown that high estradiol levels causes any harm in men. That to me was like, what? Like, and I went back and looked at them. Of course there's not. Interesting. And so it's understand that, that estrogen is not the enemy. Now, some guys may get symptoms from the estrogen being, being too high. I've had a couple of guys, estrogen is like 60, 70, 80, and they come in and they're moody. They're yeah. very emotional. They're crying, you know, that emotional ability. Those are the guys where you got to give them something to bring it down a little bit. I'm talking like a whiff. I'm talking like a half a gram a week, like half a pill a week kind of dosing on that just to bring it down to a level where it's not causing that kind of problem. But that's a very rare situation. And I would not give the Arimidex just arbitrarily if he's feeling great. And you said you wouldn't give the DIM either. You're saying that that's just depending on genetic pathways works for some guys, works doesn't work for others. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll use it sometimes uh, based on um, Dutch testing. I do a fair amount of Dutch testing, actually, which is for the listeners, dry urine um, um, dry urine test hormone, uh, dry urine test, something comprehensive hormone testing, basically pee on a strip and, uh, and it looks at, uh, hormone metabolism. So it looks at testosterone, DHEA, DHT, 
Um, it looks at uh, cortisol, looks at all your estradiol breakdown into estrone. Um, it's really a fantastic test. And I, I use that to guide things like that. And what do you, do you take a uh, age into heavy consideration? Let's say someone comes in to see you who you know, like, like the first case study you mentioned, their testosterone total is like 250. They're free is just on the floor. They're overweight. They're not feeling great, but they're in like their late twenties or, or early thirties. They're not like that mm -hmm. old. Is that yeah. something where you're like, let's try lifestyle, see what we can get you with making a bunch of these adjustments. Or do you still, you know, uh, are, are you still okay with actually starting them on TRT even at a young age? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. That, that's really what you got. You got to be really cautious. And uh, what you're bringing up. So for the listener, there's this, this um, hypogonadal, or I'm sorry, this uh, pituitary gonadal axis, um, the HPA axis, where the hypothalamus tells the pituitary to make LH, LH goes to the testicle, tells it to make testosterone, testosterone feeds back in the brain and turns it off that same pathway is responsible for sperm production as well from the uh, testicles as well. And so you have the Sertoli cells making sperm, you have the Lady cells making testosterone, and that's how the, the testicle works. If you give testosterone, it turns off that signal from the pituitary. And so therefore sperm production gets shut off as well. And so um, to, to answer your question, I do not give those men testosterone typically. So if a 20 year old man comes in and has low testosterone, it's, you know, addressing the underlying causes, of course, dealing with the micronutrient issues and the stress, the sleep, et cetera. Um, and I want to emphasize real quick sleep, by the way, we brushed over it earlier. I see a massive improvement in testosterone levels. IGF one levels related to growth hormone with just fixing sleep. Sleep yeah. is magical. Like you get, it tends to get glossed over, overlooked. It is so important. And it's the key, you know, when I work with men, I talk about a comprehensive approach, understand that testosterone is just one big, one, one, one part of a much bigger picture. Dude, sleep is where it's at. That, that can make a massive difference. Just that alone. Yeah. Um, completely agree. I think sleep is one of the most underappreciated performance right? things yeah. any of us can do. It's, yeah. it's absolutely miraculous. Um, uh, transitioning back though, one thing I am curious about if, DHEA is low or yeah. moderately low. Uh, have you seen a, like serious improvements with just bringing in DHEA without testosterone uh, as a way to help boost yeah. someone's levels? Yeah, great question. Typically not. And there's studies that look at this that, that you don't typically tend to get much of a jump, a, a boost, a pop in testosterone. If, even though DHEA is a precursor, obviously we know that the steroid pathway, but we don't tend to see much of a jump. Yeah. Um, going back just to follow up on that case we were talking about, just so the listener doesn't get feel like they got gypped out of the full story there you can't give testosterone to that 20 year old guy because you're going to turn off testosterone uh turn off uh, fertility yeah. and so what we'll do is things like clomid clomid is an estrogen blocker um at the brain level um it's going to help um uh the pituitary not feel that negative feedback and so it's going to increase production of of lh fsh which will hopefully help stimulate testosterone and sperm production HCG is a, is a game changer as well in those men. So what I'll often do is prescribe HCG and Clomid. And Together. I've had a couple of guys who come in for infertility actually, and they happen to have really low testosterone as well. And I'll put them on, on HCG Clomid. And I've had many young men actually be able to conceive with their wife and then their testosterone levels improve as well. Um, and then once you know, once these men are beyond their childbearing years, once they're in their forties and they know they're done, they've had three kids, they've had a vasectomy. That's when it's okay to, look, to talk about testosterone therapy. Got it. So you use Clomid and HCG uh, yeah. currently and then, yeah. and that's a long-term thing as well, or does it, do you cycle people on and off of that? So I'll typically keep them on it. Yeah. Okay. Because again, if you're, if your goal is to optimize testosterone, 
in my mind, I don't want to just optimize your testosterone this week, but then next week you're you're okay to have it back down where it was. You know, we, sure. you mentioned that at the very beginning all the the amazing benefits of testosterone. Why would you not want it to be optimized where it needs to be all the time? Absolutely. I think the only yeah. objection someone would have is any type of risk factors or side effects or downsides to chronic use of some of these things. But as you alluded to, if you're yeah. doing it appropriately, it doesn't sound right. like from your experience, there's really many drawbacks. Right. Yeah. And testosterone, you know, people use the term bioidentical. That's really more of a more related to, to estradiol for women, you know, women's hormones. Testosterone yeah. is bioidentical in the fact that it is the hormone that your body recognizes as the testosterone that your body makes. So it is by definition bioidentical in that regard. We know from numerous studies that low testosterone, low testosterone is associated with an increased risk of major adverse cardiac events. Low testosterone is associated with increased risk of cardiovascular disease. Low testosterone is associated with elevated LDL, triglycerides. And so we know that by optimizing testosterone levels, we improve cardiovascular risk factors. We improve yep. that. Don't We don't worsen it. So that's the common misconception is that testosterone somehow puts men at risk for cardiovascular disease. No, we're improving that. And, we, and I think it, this is probably because we're raising the estrogen along with it. Yeah. by the way. Um, but without question, testosterone therapy has been shown to improve cardiovascular profiles, reduce risk of major adverse cardiac events, and improve lipid parameters as well. Incredible. Yeah. One thing I want to switch gears to as we talk about male performance is erectile dysfunction. And yeah. this is something that doesn't get a lot uh, enough talk. And I know there's obviously pharmaceuticals that have become very popular for obvious reasons. But I know something you utilize is uh, Gainsway technology, which I learned about um, probably three or four years ago uh, on a podcast, actually. And nothing I've ever tried or needed, but something I've always thought was fascinating. Can you explain to people listening in what Gainsway yeah. technology is, how it works, all that sort of stuff? Sure thing. Yeah. So when we're looking at ED, and we, we could talk after if you want about different causes of ED, but one of the most common causes is poor blood flow. Mm -hmm. And poor blood flow means, you know, lack of, of sufficient arterial inflow. Uh, that's what an erection is. It's just increased blood into the penis, engorgement of the penis. And so we found this technology, which is low intensity shockwave therapy, which as a urologist, I've used for 20 plus years now for kidney stones at higher intensities. It's very effective at treating kidney stones uh, from outside the body. Mm -hmm. They found in the lab that, low intensity shockwave promotes new blood flow formation, a process called angiogenesis, which means new highways are formed for blood to flow. Angiogenesis is creation of new blood flow. And when they tested this on erectile function, on erectile tissue, it improved. And so fast forward a decade later, we now recognize that low intensity shockwave is a great way to stimulate repair remodeling regeneration of erectile tissue to improve sexual function. And so Gainswave is employing that technology for men who want to improve sexual performance, or they actually have erectile dysfunction and need help. And it does so by activating the stem cells, which are the progenitor cells that grow every other cell. Um, it activates stem cells to um, produce growth factors to enable this angiogenesis process to occur. And so I use that in my practice as part of a much bigger picture. You know, we've talked a, a lot about all the other aspects of men's health that can, can 
contribute to ED. Yeah. This is to help really uh, uh, recover from uh, blood flow issues. Fascinating. Fascinating. And um, is there anything else that you would say is uh, like lifestyle wise that, you know, can really help with ED specifically? Let's say you're working with someone, their testosterone levels are looking good, whether through yeah. treatment or lifestyle. Absolutely. Everything else is pretty in line as far as their nutrition sure. and exercise and sleep, but they're still having trouble downstairs. What, what would you suggest is a good place to start as far as changes? So, so lifestyle wise, you know, one of the things that crushes sexual performance is insulin resistance. Mm. So what is insulin resistance for the listener? This is basically your body doesn't respond to insulin like it should. Mm -hmm. And you start to have issues with blood sugar metabolism. And why is this? Well, obesity, chronic inflammation, um, shitty diet, uh, increased visceral fat, um, chronic stress, all these things promote insulin resistance. Insulin resistance crushes your endothelium, the lining of your blood vessels, so they, they don't release nitric oxide, which is the key hormone that causes increased blood, causes vasodilation, increased blood flow. Yep. And so to answer your question, it's addressing the insulin resistance. And so this is how people say, well, how, how's what I'm eating have anything to do with having sex? It has everything to do with it. Absolutely. <laughs> everything to do with it. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the foods that you're eating, the stress in your life, the sleep, the we haven't talked at all about the gut, which is really a, a really a, a main um, area of health to focus on. Um, the gut can dramatically affect it. All, all these aspects can cause insulin resistance. And so this again comes back to this comprehensive, you know, I call it a, a systems approach or systems biology approach to, to men's health that these guys need because they come in, hey, I just want that. Can I get the blue pill? Mm -hmm. Or hey, can I get a, can I get a tea shot and a blue pill? <laughs> Dude, it's a lot more than that. It's not just yeah. about testosterone and, and popping a pill. It, it's understanding, like you said, how all of these systems connect together and, and influence it. And so when I work with men, I, I, I have health coaches that work with them. I have a fitness trainer. I have a genetics expert. I have concierge team to really put all those pieces together because as great as the hormones may be, we know it's so much more than that. Absolutely. And have you seen, I know firsthand, I've seen noticeable improvements with doing things that just help with nitric oxide, whether it's eating foods that are have precursors to improve this nitric oxide, whether it's a specific type of breathing mechanics that can help enhance nitric oxide production. I know yeah. that's another huge variable for the blood flow uh, and has a lot of benefits to our health, but also really helps with blood flow for solving yeah. ED. That's right. Yeah. So so, yeah, you know, you mentioned breathing a couple of times. I think it's really great to, that you emphasize that people tend to think I, I breathe fine, I breathe fine all day without even thinking about it. Yeah. But in fact, nasal breathing is so critical that that book, James Nestor, a book called Breath, it came out not too long ago. It was a fantastic uh, focus on this, how breathing through your nose dramatically affects carbon dioxide levels which dramatically affects tissue oxygenation, release of oxygen at the tissue, which affects performance of every cell in your body. So if you care about performance of every cell in your body, I would think that breathing might be important to you. And so I'm being a smart ass. So the key is to, to focus on breathing in and out of your nose all day and all night. And sometimes taping your mouth shut might be helpful to, to train you because uh, people forget about that. They realize their, you know, their spouse will say, yeah, you breathe, you're breathing through your mouth the whole night, you're snoring or, you know, whatever it takes work, it takes training. 
Yeah, takes practice. And I've done entire yeah. episodes on this topic specifically because yeah. I find it just so immensely important. And yeah. I've had James Nestor on the show. I interviewed him, um, you know, back in December for anyone who wants to go back and listen to that interview. It was an awesome interview. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also um, really just promote the on the exhale. One thing that can really activate vagal tone and has been shown to boost nitric oxide levels sixfold is doing nasal breathing on the inhale, but on the exhale, making a, mm, a humming sound. And that can be another transformative, simple, free practice people can do as far as their breath work. Mm -hmm. I, I do a lot of that type of breathing during uh, sauna sessions, during meditation, uh, things that just help to increase your body's own production of nitric oxide. And it's freaking incredible. I've seen insane benefits um, personally and clinically. So it's definitely something I recommend as well. Uh, well, this sure. has been great, Dr. Gappin. Any, uh, anything that you want to touch on that we haven't covered yet? Yeah, so um, I have a gift for the listeners. If you'd like, I, I can share something with them if you're okay with that. Absolutely, yes. Cool. Yeah, so um, I published a, a book, a best-selling book last year called Mail 2.0, Cracking the Code to Limitless Health and Vitality. And uh, I'm happy to provide a complimentary copy to your listeners. Um, you just got to text the word health to 26786 and uh, you'll get a complimentary digital copy of my book. Can you repeat that number one more time? Yeah, that's text the word health to 26786. All right. I'll put that in the show notes for anyone listening yeah. in who's driving or not able to do it right this moment. And then where can people go to find more about your work, Dr. Gappin? Website, yeah. social media, things like that. Sure. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Tracy Gappin, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, uh, website is gappininstitute.com. And uh, my professional site is drtracygappin.com. Incredible. Well, thanks again for coming on the show, brother. This has been awesome. All right, Ron. Thanks so much, man. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please share it along to anyone else you believe it can serve. You can submit your own question to be answered on the show by going to ryankennedyhealth.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show. Your feedback helps to support me on my mission to positively impact as many people as possible with this information. Please note the information depicted in this episode is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine.